DNB Tech Minute gives you the day's top tech headlines, from the big names in Silicon Valley to the halls of power. If it's making news in tech, we've got it. Check out TNB Tech Minute in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, will rising bond yields be a problem for the stock market in 2017? Our columnist James McIntosh is here to discuss that. And also, the Dow Jones Industrial Average on Tuesday came within 13 points of 20,000. In the morning, we are still waiting, though, to see if it gets over 20,000. Will it? And what does it mean? That's what we're going to talk about. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul and Stephen here in the studio in New York City, joined by a kind of, kind of, kind of a full house today. Grocer, a lot well, of folks I'm, here. I'm, I'm excited because this is one of the few times we've been in the studio together in Recently. a long while. Yeah. Yes, it has been. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been like ships mm-hmm. passing. Not passing, actually. Not even coming close. Not even seeing each other through the fog. And no, the, I mean, the really the weird thing is we're both in North Carolina and we didn't even see each other. Right. Well, we switched. North yeah. Carolina can't have both of us at the no, same time. No, they could not. It'd be too much for that state to handle. So they had a they had a time us. Uh, also in the studio today, Corey Drebush to my right, Ben Eisen with his Dow twenty thousand hat on. Ben, a lot of a lot of spirit there. Very impressive. Oh yeah, it's a stylish hat for sure. <laughs> And calling in from across the pond, James McIntosh, WSJ columnist. James, how are you? Yeah, all good over here. And and because it's so much later for you than it is for us, James, uh, let's start off with something you wrote. This came out yesterday, uh, post, uh, post, uh, you know, bloggers, post, but, you know, column, let's be formal about it, uh, a column about what is happening in the bond market and the stock market and why I think the, the usual sort of dynamics that you might think about there may not be going on, may not be in play this time. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, actually, I think it's more than that it may not be in play this time. It's that it usually isn't in play and that people mostly believe something which is false. So people mostly believe that higher bond yields are bad for stocks. And that mostly just isn't true. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, the general thing is is the the shorthand is bond yields rise, stocks go down. But you're saying, yeah. There's there's a lot of talk going on at the moment at... um, uh, my starting point from this was uh, you know, a, lot, a lot of people saying, oh, God, well, you know, next year, the, uh, the, the Trump rally and how long will it continue and what could stop it? And one of the things a lot of people are saying is, well, you know, bond yields get out of control if, if the 10-year hits and then insert magic number here, right. uh, you'll, see, uh, you'll see stocks uh, sort of hit a wall and, and go no further. And that, that, that magic number, some people were saying 2.75, other people were saying 3%. Uh, when you actually dig in to it, they kind of admit that it's basically plucked out of the air, um, and there isn't, there, there really isn't a magic number as such. Uh, but also, more to the point, the, the there isn't because that just isn't how it works. Um, higher higher bond yields aren't in themselves bad for stocks. Both stocks and bonds are driven by pretty much the same thing, which is at the moment expectations that the economy is going to be better, and that makes bond yields go up, and it makes stocks go up, and that's absolutely fine. The, the, neither of them is shocked by the other one, as it were. One of the questions I have is just with rising rates and also a rising dollar is just funding costs, and if that could be eventually be uh, you know uh, you know a w- weigh down stocks as it weighs on the economy 
Oh, absolutely. Um, so this isn't to say that there aren't effects from higher bond yeah. yields. There absolutely are. Uh, it's purely to say that there aren't direct effects on stocks. So what happens is that stocks don't hit a wall because bond yields went up. Right. Stocks hit a wall if they if they do because the rising bond yields uh, drag on the economy, uh, they push up mortgage rates, they push up corporate bond yields, uh, push up corporate bond, co- uh, corporate financing costs, therefore, so perhaps companies don't do so much. Um, if all those things uh, happen and the economy doesn't pick up as the market is expecting, then that will be very bad news because you've got the higher financing costs and you didn't get the stronger economy that those higher financing costs were anticipating. So, uh, effectively, if it turns out that the market, Mr. Market, is wrong about what's going to happen to the economy, then, yeah, that'll be bad for stocks. But if it's right about what happens to the economy, those bonds are precisely pricing in all of these things already. So, there has to be, you have to think that bonds have wildly overshot somehow for some reason. Uh, And course it might have done you know, we can all have different views about the economy and the market isn't a particularly good forecaster of the economy right. we know that right but the ultimately that comes down to your view on the economy and whether the market you know, the wisdom of crowds that's going on in the market is right or not and it's often wrong okay I'm, I'm not trying to defend that but if it's right if the economy is going to pick up then of course it's already being priced in that the pickup in the economy will happen even with those high yields and it seems that that's why, maybe that's why stock investors or folks who have been saying stocks will go down, that's what they're basing it on if we have a slower economic um, slower economic growth than maybe is hoped for. So it seems like any economic reading then that's maybe a little weaker could, could kind of jolt the market, or is that oversimplification? Well, potentially. I mean, a lot of it is... Some of it is based on what's already been happening in the economy, which is that the economy clearly has been getting stronger than people had expected it to get. And you've had a slow pickup in stocks and bonds, cyclical, economically sensitive stocks and in bond yields since the summer, really. But the recent sort of spike up in bond yields and more rapid rise in share prices has been uh, down to expectations of what Trump will do. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're basing your market position on what's going to happen after January the 20th, then it kind of, unless it's really drastic, shouldn't matter that much what happens between now and then. Uh, now, that's not to say it, it, it does feel this is a completely separate issue to, to what I was writing about uh, in, in this column. But the completely separate issue is that, wow, the market's moved a long way. Yeah. And mm. when that happens, mm-hmm. yeah, the market gets more sensitive to bad news, much more sensitive. That was to the bad column news. just before so, this column. Yeah, I wrote that yeah. last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the market's gone a long way. That makes the market more sensitive. So potentially some, you know, some sort of economic bad news or indeed geopolitical bad news. There's no shortage of that at the moment or uh, or some yet another wacky tweet from the president-elect. <laughs> These types of things potentially could could tip the market and, and scare it a bit. Although it does feel like there's a lot of people out there pushing for that Dow 20,000 magic number. <laughs> I mean, it oh, seems like... We're going to get there. It seems like all of this has, has uh, some interesting real-world implications for investors too because it's sort of um, just the interplay between stocks and bonds 
you know, it seems like has a lot of folks these days talking about portfolio diversification and, you know, is it really necessary given that stocks have pretty much been on a straight shot up? And um, if you have like a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, that's 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 uh, causing you to have smaller gains than you would if you just like owned an S&P index fund. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it seems like um, on the one hand, it seems like like sort of what we're seeing in the market with both with stocks uh, stocks uh, roaring higher and bonds selling off, I think uh, is probably could cause people to kind of make decisions that that uh, are kind of contrary to that traditional notion of 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 uh, portfolio diversification. Well, of course, the, I mean, what you ought to do if uh, if you are diversifying your portfolio is that when stocks go up a lot and bonds bond prices go down bond yields go up you should sell some of your stocks and buy a few more of those bonds i mean hmm. bonds ought to look a lot more more attractive right now i mean yielding two and a half percent instead of yielding 1.3 this summer so you know that's a that's a lot better right <laughs> much better income right right, so right i you know now i'm not necessarily suggesting you want to do that but it's it, it, the, the logic ought to be that the higher stock prices get the less appealing they are not the more appealing they are yeah it's it's amazing too like as soon as the market has a rally everybody forgets every single thing that they're talking about beforehand like this a lot of this rally happened after the election whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is a whole nother issue but you know the idea that you know now diversification we should all reverse oh, what we're doing right and you should be 100 percent in stocks now because the market's gone up in such a short you know 10 percent or whatever in such a short period of time i mean that is such short term that's great for a trader but yeah. but i don't think that's necessarily what an, an investor should be doing or no, you diversify to sort of smooth out over the long term yes term. exactly and so you're not right well, also, right. of course, you, you, what, what the, I mean, you know, a big rally in the market says you should indeed have been 100% in stocks before <laughs> right. the rally, not after Right, it. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that, and, and you, point, you point that out in your previous column, too, is that this rally, is, there are a lot of people that are probably going to jump into this rally trying to catch it, and they pro, they might, they're mostly going to have missed out on it already. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe. Yeah. Who knows, no, maybe. right? I mean, that's maybe right, right. another well, 10% knows, from yeah. here. It's always hard to know yeah, when big momentum right. moves, yeah? Yeah, it's but... Timing it is dangerous. Yeah, and in James, I thought your column also, your other column about how it makes it does make it vulnerable that those stock gains more vulnerable and a lot of traders actually the last couple of days that I've been speaking with have have mentioned this whole it's feeling a little overly bullish that the sentiment swing that we've seen in the past uh, several weeks has gotten to this much more enthusiastic and pouring money into stocks, which is probably cause for concern. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, and, uh, and I think in the uh, just quickly in the in the yeah. bond market, um, I mean, it's, you sort of have this similar and, and opposite reaction, which is um, maybe equally dangerous that that people think rates can only go up when you know when you look at the past thirty years, the the evidence has pretty much steadily the gone down. Yeah. Let's take a break uh, because we have an important message for you. And when we come back, when I said that we're going to get to Dow 20,000, I didn't necessarily mean that the stock market is going to get there. I meant that we are going to talk about it, and we are going to talk about it next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to the Money Beat podcast here on a Tuesday afternoon. We're on Dow 20,000 Watch. And we look, we, we, we actually enjoy doing these podcasts. I hope that comes across in, in how the, they sound. I mean, our enthusiasm is genuine. We like doing them. And if you are interested in more... WSJ Podcasts. You can find us at WSJ.com slash podcasts. We have a lot there. You can see everything under the programs. We have Your Money Matters, The Free-For-All with Jason Gay, Heard on the Street, What's News, The Tech News Briefing, Media Mix, Watching Your Wealth, and WSJ Opinion. We are on Twitter. You can follow us at WSJ Podcasts. And you can subscribe so that they all just they, they come in automatically to you. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music app. And we, we left it off. I said that we were going to talk about Dow 20,000. And, of course, we are going to talk about it. And I, I feel a little bad, Grocer, because we left Diederich downstairs manning the entire yeah. desk on his own. If Dow crosses 20,000 while we're up we're, here we're, taping the podcast. We're a little cocky right now. But I actually blame Ben Eisen for why the man sh- sitting here yeah. with his Dow twenty thousand why, why why it's stalled because last week he's like he takes a vacation goes to Palm Springs he gets in his jacuzzi takes a fo- <laughs> you know photo puts it on Instagram mocking us for mocking, our, yeah. you know like being on our twenty thousand uh, watch right. And well, he comes well, I, back, and he's still back. He's we're back sweating on it out, sweating yeah. it out, working. Well, he's clear, I'm clearly getting my tub. punishment. I didn't miss. I didn't go on vacation miss and actually were, miss the Dow yeah. twenty thousand. That would have been the best, the best uh, present I could have gotten, right? And How would that be good? You, I mean, you don't want to be here. I am very nervous. I'm about to. This is my last week, and then I'm two weeks off, and I don't want to miss it. I really want us to get there. You, you want to get there. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I think, like, all the nerves in the newsroom, all the all the nerves on the trading floor, I'm happy to uh, to the, sit in that jacuzzi the, the and, nerves uh, in the newsroom and watch are, it from afar. The, the, the nerves in the newsroom are just that we've all got these stories ready to go, yes. and we just want to – we don't want to have to keep revising them as, as times change. We want it over and done with. I, mean, I, don't, even think, I don't even think there's nervousness on trading floors. Nah. I no. mean, it's just this one newsroom. Well, you know, last week, last week the, the index, the Dow, got within 34 points of 20,000, didn't hit it. Today, Tuesday morning, and I think it was in the first half an hour of trading, actually, mm-hmm. came within 13 points of 20,000, didn't hit it. And we are still waiting. And, and as far as I can see, sitting here in the studio, it's about 50 points away. Okay. Looks like maybe 40 points away. So we are still on this Dow 20,000 watch uh, and I'm going to open this up to the entire pod. What does this mean, Dow 20,000? Why do we care? Are we just watching it because it's just a number, or is there any real significance to it? Well, a quick little factoid. Um, we've hit, we've been within 50 points four times now, four different trading days. And a lot of that actually I think is a good thing for the prolonged, if you look at past times, for the prolonged nature of reaching above 20,000 because – you're not supposed to just barrel straight through. Traders say you're supposed to kind of flirt with it and test mm-hmm. it before going going through that. So this could be good. But this will be the fastest 
between millennial markers that we will have crossed if it crosses today or any time this week. Yeah, from 19,000 to 20,000. To 20,000, yeah. yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the quickest it's done, 1,000 points. Yeah. Um, beating uh, the really 10,000 to 11,000. Right. right. I mean, that's just maths, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. It's, I mean, it's, the the, it's the bigger the number gets, the less meaningful exactly. it is. Right. So, a voice of reason. Frankly, it was never meaningful anyway. I mean, this no. is just a random number, right? I mean, you want to get a, a Dow 2270 hat made, right? Because that's the... That's, that's, well, sorry, a S&P, sorry, S&P, I mean, 2270, yeah. right? We're very, very close to that. You know, it's going to be we're, we're getting... Well, I, I wouldn't I mean, we're getting really very what, right? Nobody cares. I wouldn't count out the superstition, us. though. I mean, I, I, I received this hat that I'm wearing currently at about uh, 10 a.m., and right at that point, that's when the Dow seems to have peaked for the day. So I'm wondering if as, as long as I'm wearing this hat, does that mean the Dow can't cross? So so this index really is all about you. It's all about me. This is all, all about, about you. Yeah, exactly. Where you go, what you do, what you're wearing. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I do think James's point is, is well, I mean, this is not, it's a big round number. And yes, I think the Dow has a bigger sort of impact with retail investors, your mom and pop on the street. Maybe pull some money in from the sidelines because people get, you know, sort of, a, you know, a sense of bullishness. But for the most part, let's face it, I mean, for people's retirement, 401ks, mutual fund, your accounts, the, the very little money is indexed to the Dow. Mm-hmm. It's indexed to S&P. The S&P 500, uh, you know, is what a lot follows. Um, and, you know, I, who knows? I mean, it's just not. A, I don't think it's that big a deal. You know, it's, I it's actually, a, I went back and looked just in case I was wrong about this. <laughs> Is there actually an effect on big round numbers? Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back and looked at every time the Dow went through one of the thousand point marks, and what happened over the next month, uh, and what happened also over the next twenty trading days. And there the really isn't anything different, anything out of the ordinary from no. what normally happens in the markets. It goes up or down depending on other stuff. Uh-huh. Um, th- this really isn't. Is, Big round numbers. I'm sorry to pour cold water on it, but no. big round numbers just don't mean anything. They're they're really great for newspapers. Yeah, I mean, they're good for hat makers and, and headlines. I mean, they make you know great headlines, and there's a and it's a moment for you know your newspaper editors and writers and reporters to write stories. You know, sort of taking a step back and looking at the you know what's happened. But I mean, I like you know I think. Going, what means going forward? I, you know, probably very little. Hmm. I mean, one thing I do wonder is, is does does a big round number, you know, on the front page of the newspaper, cause um, a lot of retail investors to maybe check their, uh, their 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 brokerage accounts or their statements in a way that maybe they wouldn't normally? And and just the mere fact of sort of looking at how much your your assets have grown causes you, causes you to make uh, a decision about whether to buy or sell or uh, do anything that you might not otherwise. Well, it's interesting the timing of this because at the end of the year, that's when kind of in the first couple months of every year, that's when retail investors typically meet with their brokerage or their broker or their financial advisor. And they do make yearly allocation decisions. So that is interesting that if this happens right before the start of the new year, right before everyone goes in and has to tell their, I used to cover wealth management, they tell their financial advisor, what is your current, like, how do you feel about risk? What do you want to do for allocation? It could mean that people start their year reallocating or readjusting their portfolios in a little bit more of a risky light if they do get this bullish bounce. Of course, this is. 
is, is it taken by by sort of the retail community as a bullish sign or a bearish sign? Um, I guess I, I, I guess bullish would be sort of the traditional way to think about it because the Dow is at this big new round number, new record high, or or is it bearish though because it's sort of this contrarian indicator that the market is. Uh, well, as James said, come so far so so quickly. A lot of the financial advisors I've spoken with lately have have made an interesting point that when they talk with their clients, their feelings about the market have a lot to do with their political beliefs and their feelings about the Trump election, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, mm-hmm. kind of cuts the. I, I, I mean, I think you have to look at it. You know, like this bull market has come is getting old. The parallels with 2000 when it went from. You know, a ten thousand to eleven thousand seem. You know, I I don't want to draw too much of a parallel between the two because they're yeah. very very different periods. But like you know, when you see something happen this fast, it would not surprise me to see, you know, the market wear itself out. Also, you're you're, the market seems to be buying very much. Like we're going to get this economic growth scenario that. I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around. And if it's disappointed, I mean, do we start to see a big pullback? Well, that, that's that's one thing you could say is a definite parallel. I mean, the 90s, you had a, you, you had more growth in the I'm 90s. Just, I'm just drawing a parallel. But you also had very high I'm expectations. Drawing a parallel the expectations, that, I'm saying, I'm, you could draw Right, but I, I was just drawing a parallel to the bull market that ended then. Yeah. When it basically went to 11,000, a little bit higher. It went to, got to 11, 7, 7, right. you know. And then, you know, that was the end of that bull market. I mean, you know. It, there's a feeling, I think, among some people that this could be the last leg of oh, this bull market. Remember, the, the Dow peaked before the NASDAQ in that it year, did. 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, keep an eye out. Uh, Liz, here's something, here's something I want to talk about for, for just a moment before we, we let you folks go, because this is going to be important. You're gonna, you want to know what's coming up on the Money Beat podcast? This is what might be coming up on the Money Beat podcast if somebody can get his act together. Ben Eisen, are you finally going to pull together the, this this book podcast we've been talking about? Wow, Paul, you guys are just making me a punching that bag you've been for this, this entire podcast. It's really the only reason we wanted you on today. Uh, we, yeah, that's, ben, that's, we've been that's trying. the aim here. You I'll, said you I'll, would do it. You said I'll, I'll you throw would do out a little, a little podcast. Pro, I'll throw out a little promotion, which will uh, you've hopefully been like, down kind of lock, lock us in here. This is the only thing we wanted it, you it to, to do. Happen. That's it's the only reason I was ever hired here. Only just reason. Through. Well, so so the idea here is to do a little bit of a, a, a holiday book group, uh, or well, it was, it's a, both a book group and a holiday reading list uh, sort of situation here to uh, discuss some of the the financial uh, books that we've all read this year and uh, that might make good uh, stocking stuffers or holiday gifts for people, um, and and just sort of some of the 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 the, 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 the things that they the, the ways in which they resonate today uh, in this current uh, and, and is this going to happen? I mean, you know, we're, we're giving. You, we're giving you the microphone, but you keep falling down on the. Pull this thing together already. Yeah, I will say that that other folks, not to name names, have uh, <laughs> have been some scheduling difficulties. Just looking at you guys here. I don't. I don't. Know, what are you talking about? So were these books <laughs> no. that were written this year, or can they be books from history that take the, on new meaning as we approach twenty thousand? Could the, be that. That is a good question. These are these are. Well, I would say that the ones that I personally had chosen were kind of meaningful historical books. Mm. Um, not to give. Away any of the titles here, but some of them are from like over a hundred years ago. 
they come recommended from other folks in the newsroom. Um, but but a lot of these a lot of these books were that kind of discuss you know like what the market was like back in the early 1900s. They do have a lot of parallels today, um, and it's funny just just thinking about um, some of the, some of the ways that the market was discussed with, with just the way speculators would run up stocks and things like that. It it, it, it it's hard not to draw parallels. To yeah, today. see, I've been I've been very enthusiastic. Yeah, I've been wanting Ben to do this for the longest time, and I'll, he just keeps dropping the ball with, on I'll it. I'll come up with a couple names myself. Uh, I, I don't understand why, but maybe. Maybe finally Ben you will get you to, Paul, to focus a little bit. you're just tarnishing my good name across and the I mean, entire uh, I really, I really am. I really it's, am. Start, <laughs> it's the start of Christmas and Hanukkah this weekend, so you really need to, to get it's going true. fast. There's a, there's a very firm deadline, I would say. So so perhaps uh, look out for it uh, towards the end of this week, yeah. if that's uh, if, if, if yeah. I'm allowed to say that. You are. Assuming we don't schedule it in about an hour beforehand, I say, no, I can't do it, and we, we don't do it, and then it doesn't that's end up never happening. That's never happened. That's never happened. That has never happened, and it will never happen, because <laughs> I do not go back on my commitments. <laughs> I do not. All right. Uh, let's end it there, because, yeah, sometimes I do. I have to admit it. Sometimes I do. <laughs> uh, we were going to do this a while ago. And, and I it's late in London. And it's late in London. James McIntosh, thank you so much for staying with us. No worries. Cheers, guys. All right. Have a good week. And everyone, watch out for us. We will be coming back very soon, maybe with some book recommendations. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.